So many times? Okay, good. So some of you did it? All right, good. I want to share something with you, and this is very important going into tonight as we're going to go to the bonfire, right? Right? We're going to do that? This is very important. I want you to go to Revelation 19. I'm just going to share this before we get into what we're going to talk about. And I kept, I meant to share it the other night, it didn't happen. I meant to share it last night, it didn't happen. And I think it's because it's supposed to happen tonight, which makes sense because we're having a bonfire. So I just want to uh, share this with you. Revelation 19. Anybody who know, anybody in here know who wrote Revelation? Who? John. Very good. So we're in uh, chapter 19, and we're going to read verse 10. And what happened was, is John was visited by an angel. Okay? So we're going to read in verse 10. And John said, At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But then the angel turned to John and said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold you to the testimony of Jesus. So basically an angel appeared to John. John fell down and worshipped the angel. And the angel said, no, 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 don't worship me. Worship God. Now get what I'm about to tell you. Look at the rest of the verse. He says, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Woo! Do you get that? Yes. The reason why I had you tell people what happened to you is because when you testify about what God did in your life to that person you are talking to, you are basically saying, this can and this will happen in your life if you need it. How many of you guys have ever had somebody come to you and they go, hey, this is going on in my life and God did this and you're going, that's exactly what I'm going through. Have you ever had that? You want to know why? That's what that is. So even what we talked about last night, gifts of the Spirit, this is, this is the easiest way to do that. When God does something, you testify and you tell people about it. You have no idea what they're going through. You have no idea what the situation is in their life. And it doesn't even have to be the same. You might need a job. You might need a financial miracle. You might need some, some provision. You tell somebody that, it's as if you are telling them this is going to happen in your life. The testimony of Jesus is as of the spirit of prophecy. Right? So how many of you guys are in here? Like 48 of you? Or something like that? What if every time, I, Aaron already mandated that each and every one of you is going to share, right? So that's at least 40, right? What if each and every one of those absolutely unlocked something spiritually for somebody else in this room? Are you kidding me? That'd be sick. That'd be pretty, yeah, that'd be sick. Thank you. <laughs> that'd be sick, right? That'd be good. I, I learned about that a couple years ago, and it's changed my life. And so when God does something to me, I can't help but tell somebody about it. Because I want that to happen. Maybe not something exactly the same, but maybe something that's similar. I want to see it happen in their life. So tonight, you guys, don't hold back when we go share. Tell about what God did. And you have no idea what that might do to somebody else in this room. And it might become, it might become prophecy for them. Now, when you go home, I don't think all the youth group's here. Tell them what happened at camp. And tell them what's different about you. Tell your parents what's different about you and what God did to you. Tell your friends at school what is different about you and what God did for you. And you watch what happens. And not only that, they're going to not only hear from you, but they're going to see it. And you have no idea what, what could come out of 
you being here for other people. So I wanted to share that with you first. But tonight we're going to talk about something. We're going to talk about two things. Last night we talked about we're moving in the Spirit and, and using the Holy Spirit as, as our help to reach the lost, right? And we talked about how sometimes those have been like side dishes for the church. And like, we're coming into an age where God's saying, look, you need me and my power to reach the lost. And that's what it's going to take. Well, what I didn't tell you is, is there's something that we lack even more than that. That has nothing to do with gifting. Has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit necessarily. And we've been lacking it for a long, long, long time. And that's love. And that's love. And so, God loves his people. And we don't do a good enough job of showing that. And what I'm excited about is when I'm here, every time we've worshipped God, I've seen you guys, and you guys have amazing love for each other. And that's not normal. The kind of love that you have for each other is not normal. And that's a good thing. It's supposed to be this way. But it's, unfortunately, it's not. Everywhere else, it's just regular. And you guys, it's amazing. And what's happening tonight is God is here right now, and he's still moving in this room like you wouldn't believe. And what he's doing is he's just pouring out his love. And he's just filling you up. And he's saying, I want to turn you around, and I want you to give this to people. I want you to give this to people. Um, I had a really good conversation with Stephanie and Mariah like 10 minutes before we came in here. And um, they had some just questions for me. And it was amazing because it has to do exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. And so I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But we're going to go to a Bible verse. We're going to go to Galatians 5.22. And it says this. And just get ready to be knocked off your horse from last night. Ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? What's the first on the list? Love. You read the Bible all you want. Every list, the top is going to be love. It's redundant. It's over and over again. Everything you're going to read is, is the greatest. Now, last night we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, right? Right? Now this isn't necessarily the same thing. This says the fruit of the Spirit. It's a little bit different. Now did you know that you can do all those giftings that we talked about last night? Did you know that you can move in the Holy Spirit? And it doesn't necessarily translate out in the end as fruit? Did you know that? It's possible. As a matter of fact, love has more to do with about who you are and what's inside of you. And a gifting has more to do about something learned from the Spirit. There's a difference. And so, you've got people on television, you may have seen them, that are incredibly gifted in the Spirit. And inside, you have no idea what they may be like. I've heard a million stories about these powerful men and women of God who move in power in their services. And then they go and witnesses have seen them in the restaurant treating their waitress like trash. Is that the fruit of the Spirit? It's not. 
Some of you last night were excited about the gifts of the Spirit and all that. I want to tell you tonight that God is saying, get more excited about this. Please get more excited about this. And guess what? You guys, some of you guys might be put off, you know, about learning, moving in the Spirit, learning more about the Holy Spirit. Guess what? I'm still doing all that. I'm still a rookie. I'm 28 years old. Love is easy. Love is so easy. All of us have it. All of us have it to give. And God is saying, I want to see fruit of the Spirit. I want to see fruit. And so God's saying, pour out my love on my people for me. And that is true fruit of what's inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit's inside of you, all these things are going to come out of you. And if you ever want to know if you're right with God, come back to this verse. It's easy. Because all these things are proof. Fruit, change the word fruit for proof. If these things are in your life, then that's proof that you're moving in the Spirit. I want to go to another verse, 1 Corinthians 13. It's actually, we're going to read the whole chapter. And you guys probably know this real well. This is the love chapter. Right? It's uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, I'm going to read verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, somebody give me some adjectives for a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If that was happening in this room right now, what are some feelings that that would bring about in you? If somebody was just beating a cymbal or a big old gong over and over again, how, like what is that? Annoying. What else? What else? Obnoxious. What else? A headache. Irritating, right? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Everything we talked about last night is nothing if it's not done in love. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. If you go to someone and you prophesy over them because it makes you feel better about yourself or because you want to show that person that you're more spiritual, you are obnoxious and you are annoying to God and that person because you didn't do it in love. If you are praying for somebody for healing and it's not a right motive, it's not out of love, it's not for them to come to see the power of God and, and to know Him, you're annoying. I'm annoying and obnoxious to God and that person. And God is saying, look, love is gone in this world. And if you have everything else, if you give all your wealth away, if you have everything right, but it's not love, it's worthless. It's worthless. I want to tell you a story. When I was working in San Francisco, I, my, part of my job was to work with inner city kids. I worked with kids that were six years old all the way to like 13 years old. A lot of these kids were poor. A lot of these kids were abused. 
I'd see the, the marks on their faces and on their arms. A lot of these kids came from drug homes. A lot of these kids had brothers and sisters that had been killed before they reached the age of 20. Horrible, horrible situations. And I loved working with these kids because they were like sponges when you treated them with love. So I want to tell you a story about a girl named Jasmine. I think she was 12, 13 years old. This girl was amazing. She was a little fireball. And she lived literally in the midst of hell. She lived in one of the worst neighborhoods in California. Violence, gangs, drugs, everywhere. Like, these kids would talk about things that you and I probably will never see, like they were everyday occurrences, and I'm not joking. She had a 16-year-old brother that was killed in a drive-by. I'm not sure. She, I can't remember if she saw it or was there right before it happened. Every day on his birthday, she would disappear. Her family would have to, like, take her away because it was so hard for her to deal with. She was one of my favorite girls. This girl could dance. If, in that show that's on TV right now, if she was on that show, she'd win it. This girl was smart. This girl was amazing. This girl had a fire for Jesus. And I would visit her, and I would talk to her. And she'd come running out. you got to understand, she was African-American. I'm white. I don't come from her background. I'm, I have nothing like her. She has nothing like me. There's no way in the world that somebody like her and me should be really good friends, but we were. And it was just because I had love for her in my heart. Okay? And that relationship just began to flourish, and she used to look forward to seeing me every time. And not just me, other people I worked with. So it wasn't like me. It was just we loved being with her, and we just loved to be with her. And that was it. And we showed her that. We showed her family that. We'd go to her door. we say, hey, how are you doing? We'll get to know her family. And we did this for tons of kids. And it was amazing. That was our relationship with them. And we just loved them, loved them, loved them until these kids would come to see Jesus and their parents sometimes even would come to see Jesus because of it. Well, one day, this was actually the only time my parents got to see what I did on the weekend, which was I'd do sidewalk Sunday school with these kids. My parents live in Washington, D.C. They're on their way back now to California, but they've been living in Washington, so they didn't see what I did very much. So they came out to see that day. And I told Jasmine that my parents were going to be here, and she got so excited. She wanted to meet my parents for some reason. And so that Saturday, she came running up into the field where we were, and we had a truck. And she came running up. Where's your parents? Where's your parents? Where's your parents? And I said, they're over there. And she jumped on my back. And um, she just began to ask me questions about my parents, but she was embarrassed. She didn't want to meet them. She was kind of like from afar. She kind of eyeballing them, looking at them. And she's like, I want And she leaned down into my ear, and she said, Sean, would your mom be my grandma? And I didn't get it at the moment, but then I started to think about it. And, I, and it was funny what happened, because I actually, she's like, no, 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 don't tell her, don't tell her, don't tell her. And I, so I grabbed her by the arms, and I wouldn't let her go. She's flailing to get off because she was embarrassed. So I went and I asked my mom if she would be her grandma. And my mom obviously melted and wanted to, to do that, obviously, for her. But God told me something in that instance that I'll never forget. See, Jasmine had a great mom. She had a lot of rough things happen in her life, but she did have a great mom. She had a great dad. She had a grandmother. I met them and know them all. They took very good care of her. She was able to thrive in the environment that she was in because of her family. But you have to understand that it wasn't my mom that she was interested in. That was just the first time that she was exposed to something that I had. She really wasn't interested in my mom being her grandmother. She just wanted to be a part of something that was mine. 
And it was as if instead of saying, would your mom be my grandmother, it was like she said, would your God be willing to be my God? You see that? And what happens is when you begin to repetitively love people over time, and I talked, this is what I talked to Mariah and Stephanie about. They said, Sean, so we have people at school that are dealing with some real things. We have, we have girlfriends that are dealing with, with immorality, and they're doing things with boys that they shouldn't. And they're our friends, and, and they, they've, t- they've told us what these, and they've even told us, you know, hey, come get involved with these types of things with us. We have, we have friends at school that are questioning their sexuality. They may be involved in lesbianism or homosexuality, and it's like, well, God, Sean, what do we do? How do we handle this? And what I told them, I said, well, you, you can't judge them. You can't do that. And we've done that too much in the church. And we've said, your sin is worse, or this is that and the other. And you guys got to remember that the whole point of, of Christianity is to avoid people from the judgment seat. The whole point of Christianity is to cover them in grace so when the judgment time comes, that they're covered and that they know God. But we sometimes, we, we like to strap on that judgment belt. I don't know why we do that. It doesn't matter what, how bad or what your friends are doing. It doesn't matter. You have to love them. And that's what I told them. And what's going to happen is, is each and every person, just like Jasmine, just like your guys' friends at school, they're going to come to a point where their road ends. And you want to know what the goal is for you? You want to be the person that they go to. And that's going to be a four-year struggle for some of you guys. You may come in as freshmen and have friends that are just wrecked. And it might not be till your senior year, till they hit rock bottom. But you know what? If you flaked out on them because you don't love them, you've judged them, and you got tired of them, where are you going to be when they're ready for you? You won't be in the picture. You got someone who's questioning their sexuality, and maybe they have parents, maybe they have other friends, and maybe you happen to be the Christian representative in their friendship in their realm of circle. You know what? They already know what you believe. You don't need to tell them. But if they see that in the, as the contrary, you have loved them in spite, and they're at a place where they have to ask a bunch of questions and they're looking to make decisions for their life, they may, not, they may go to all three of you. But you don't want to be excluded. You want to be in that bunch. And love is the key. Love is always the key that will unlock hearts. The enemy hates love. In that verse that we just read about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, I didn't even read it. You know what the last verse is? Against such there is no law. And what that means is over these things, nothing can rule them. And when you love somebody, the enemy can't do squat. It literally ties him up. And when you continue to do that, you are literally binding the enemy, even if you don't see the breakthrough in that person. You are tying him up. You're tying him up. And what happens is, is over time, he wears down because you outlasted him. You outloved him. You outtook care of that person. Love breaks all bondages. The Bible says God is love. Nothing else. He is love. And that's what we should shoot for. I just want to tell you that we get sidetracked at times. When we get excited about the flashiness of Christianity and about the power and all this stuff like that. Let me tell you about something that happened to me a couple weeks before I came here. I, like, I told you guys that sometimes I write music and... I was having a day where I felt like I needed to write, I wanted to write some music and just like, yeah, today's the day for this song that I was trying to finish. And so I went to the coffee house, the local coffee house, and took a shower and I was all clean and just ready to go. I'm going to go to the coffee house, I'm going to write some music. Had my book out, had my coffee, nice and just middle class of me. 
in the coffee shop, nice feeling good about myself. Finished the song I went to write, was just happy, just feeling like a million bucks. Thank you, God, for just giving me inspiration to finish this song. I get back in my car, put my seatbelt on, my coffee, I'm looking good, sunglasses. I drive out in the parking lot, and I see a 60-year-old lady with light, and there's a grocery store there. And she has this cart. She looks homeless. She probably isn't. She just looks like she is. She has a cart with groceries, more groceries than you can imagine. And she has, like, a serious problem with, like, her hip or her leg. And, like, it is literally painful to watch, watch her walk down the street. Okay? And God says, deal with that. And I'm like, well, God, I'm feeling all good about myself. I just want to go home, enjoy the rest of my morning, turn on the TV, see what's going on. I was not in the mood to deal with this, right? So with my mind, you know, because I believe in the Holy Spirit, I'm looking at her leg, right? And I'm going, that is horrible. That needs to get taken care of right now. And I have my mindset that God wants to heal her, right? So I pull over and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be weird, you know, like, me pulling over and talking to like this six-year-old lady. It's just, I don't want to freak her out. So I pull my car up behind her, and there's about 15 feet in front of us. And this is recent, you guys. This is a couple weeks ago. I get out, and I walk. I didn't want to scare her with my car. I come up behind her, and I said, I said, hi. I said, I'm Sean. I was wondering if I can give you a ride. And my plan was just to give her a ride because she needs help. But then while she's in the car, pray for her. She was as cold as cold can be. No, no, no. I don't need any help. Thank you. And I'm going, man. So I start to walk back, and I'm going, oh, my plan foiled. God told me to take care of this, and I had a plan about getting her in my car to pray for her, but that didn't work. Well, God still told me to take care of her, right? So my plan didn't work. So again, like I told you about with Keith, I had to go back, right? So I go back. Hi, I'm here again. I know you just told me off, but I'm back. Um, Can I pray for you? She's like, yeah, okay, fine. Like, totally irritated that I had to stop. So I pray, and you guys, I am not kidding you. I mean, as soon as I opened my mouth, I felt like the Holy Spirit just went whack on this lady. And I'm going, oh, this is going to be awesome. She's going to walk away straight, no limbs, no nothing. Right? I mean, I literally felt it. I mean, I'm like, I'm energized, right? As soon as I, and I, no, but here's the funny thing. In my prayer, in my mind, all I wanted to pray for her for was for her leg because it was so obvious and so like, it just made you go, oh, the poor lady. You ever seen anybody like that? You just go, oh, that's so sad. So the whole time all I'm thinking about is her leg. I just want to pray for her leg, right? But as I'm praying, I start praying things like, thank you for the beautiful woman that this lady is. Thank you for how valuable she is. And I'm like, what am I saying? (laughs) I came here to pray for her leg, which I did first, but then all this other weird stuff started coming out. As soon as I say amen, she's like, hi, I'm Sarah. How you doing? (laughs) She's like, literally transformed, right? She's like, oh, yeah, I just came to get some groceries. And she's like, yeah, this is the kind of a walk that I usually take. And da, 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 da. And she's like, thank you so much for the offer for the ride. And you have a great day. And she's walking, but she's walking faster. And she's still got the limp. And I'm just going. And I'm going, what just happened? So I just keep watching. I'm just, okay, just hoping the limp's going to go away, right? So I get back in my car, and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, I'm like on fire. I still feel the Holy Spirit, like, huge, right? And I'm looking at her and I'm going, man, that is just, I don't understand that. How could the Holy Spirit hit somebody that hard and they're still limping? And God said, that's not what she needed. Maybe her leg was what I needed to get your attention. Maybe that sin in your friend's life is what God needs to get your attention. And maybe your plan for that person isn't what it is, but maybe God's just saying, just stick around. 
Just, just get out of your car. I'll take care of it. Just stick around. Just love the person. Just stick around. Maybe what you think is the freedom for them isn't. And what God showed me was is that there was a healing, mighty, mighty healing that took place in her heart in that instance. And she was limping, but she didn't even know it. You know how somebody is sick and they wear it? They literally look like they're sick. And it's like a big, huge bondage. And then there's people that you know that have ailments that don't look like they even are aware that they have them. That's what happened to this lady. And let me tell you about healing and miraculous and all that. The only purpose for those things anyway is to get to this anyway. And God just said, Sean, I'll take care of that later. If she dies tomorrow, what does it matter if her hip is healed? But if she dies tomorrow, she's changed. Right? Love is the greatest thing. But love isn't easy, is it? Always. It's not. I was telling these two girls that I grew up with uh, two, two guys that were, went through horrible, horrible, horrible family situations. Abused sexually, verbally, almost every way they can. And they were struggling with homosexuality. And how all the time I would talk to them and just like love them and love them and love them. I would literally go home and beat my fist into the ground because I just wanted to see something change in them. Guess what? To this day, I don't know what happened to one of them. To this day, the other one's still living that lifestyle. You know what? But I still talk to them every once in a while and the door's still open. And that's all God asks of you. That's it. It's not your responsibility to save people. Did you know that? It's his job. He just wants you to give him the opportunity. But so quickly we shut the door on people because loving gets hard. Even in the best of situations. Aaron, is it always easy to love Emily? Yes. Whatever. I asked the wrong guy. Because he's amazing. It's not always easy for me to love my wife, and I will tell you on her behalf that it is not easy to love me. And she loves me to death. And if that's a marriage, what's it like for all these people that God is saying, hey, I want you to influence these people? So there's a cost involved. And that's the last thing I want to talk to you guys tonight is about the cost. And I feel like that's what God's doing is he's saying, look, I'm going to fill you with all this. Take it, drink it in. But know that there's, there's going to be a cost and there's a strength that needs to be for you to turn that around. Let's read one more Bible verse and then we're going to be done with, with the word. It's Luke 9. Go to Luke chapter 9. We're going to read verse 22 through 24. <coughs> And this is Jesus talking, and he said to them all, If any would would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Now, we all got the first part right where it says, follow me. But a lot of the time, we forget to take up the cross. And for all of us, that's something different. 
for all of our situations are different. And so, love is not cheap. We search for it all our life, if you want to be really honest with it. We live in a nice environment with a good family, usually that puts us out in love. You receive love from your family. And when you leave your family, or even before you leave your family, you're looking for that, that mate, that partner in your life that's love for you there. Everything, with our relationship with God is based on love. It's not cheap. It's not something that is, that is just flippant. It's not like a pack of gum. It's huge. Everything that God did on the cross, like we talked about last night, was for that. It was all about love. And what happens is the world doesn't understand that because we haven't showed them yet. It's, 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 we show them that believing in God is a religion. And it's just like everything else. It's just like if you wanted to be a Buddhist. That's, that's, that's the world's view of Christianity. It's just another option on the, on the menu. It's just part of the religion buffet. And nowadays you've got people that believe, well, as long as I'm doing one of those things, then it's right. We know better. There's only one way in. But we've got to show people that love is the way in. And so, we talk about cost. Well, tonight I don't want to pump you up. I hate hype. I don't like hype at all. Hype is garbage. So I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, pay this cost. I'm not going to cry in tears and say, you need to pay this cost. What I feel like doing tonight is just telling you some of the costs that other people are paying. You know, the people that flew airplanes into the buildings on 9-11, you know those guys did that because they believed they were serving their God? I don't know if I can hang with that. I'm telling you that on straight up honest. I hope I would if I was faced with the opportunity to do something great for God that required my life. But because I live in this nice country called America, I haven't had to deal with that yet. But I would hope that I'd be able to pay that cost if it meant doing all it took for my Lord and Savior and being who He is. There's um, a video that I saw on YouTube, and it was terrorists. And it was actually a video that was taken in the terrorist's truck. They were out in the desert, and it was in Iraq, I think. And in the, through, the camera was in, like, in like the middle of the, the van they were in, or a truck. And you could see out the driver's window. And they're talking in their language, but in English it's on the screen. Someone translated it. And they're talking, and up ahead, up ahead is some kind of a American uh, tr like a tank or truck, and it's got our soldiers in it. There's two guys, and they're talking to another guy in a walkie-talkie, and they're coordinating their attack that's going to take place. And on this video, I actually saw the attack. And I don't know what happened, but the cameras, the tape somehow got salvaged out of the attack. I don't know what happened. And I don't remember if they drove into it and blew up and killed some of our soldiers, or if they shot a missile into it or whatever. But you wouldn't believe what took place in that truck and on that walkie-talkie before it happened. It was like a church service. And these guys were pumping each other up. I'll see you in heaven. This is what God has called us to do. And I just watched it and I was just like, my goodness. These people are radical. And it's in the name of hate. It's in the name of false religion. But it's a cost for some whatever reason they're willing to pay. 
and they believe what they believe as far wrong as it is. More than sometimes what we believe and what we believe. And that scares me. Um, how many of you guys know what happened at Virginia Tech? You guys all heard about that? Everybody? For those of you who don't know, I'll just kind of recap it really quick. Just let me grab this computer. There was a guy, people described him as being very, very private, very, very strange and odd. Wouldn't talk to anybody, was very strange. And one day he woke up and he decided that he was just going to go on a rampage. And what he did is he went into the dorms and he shot and killed a girl and a guy first. Two people dead. And then what he did is he went back to his room and he made some videos and some tapes and maybe some of you saw those and took pictures and began to record and talk about what he was going to do next. And what happened after that was he went into the college campus at Virginia Tech and went into classrooms and began to shoot. And he ended up killing, I think, 33 people. It was awful. And I remember when that happened, I just, it made me sick to my stomach. A couple days went by, I think maybe one day went by. So what he did was, is before he went and did the big rampage, he had killed two people. He made those videos and those tapes and the pictures, and he wrote notes. He went to the post office. He put, it in the, he put all that stuff in the mail to ABC News. Because what he had planned on is that he would then go and kill all these people. And then the day after, ABC News would get all this. And because we live in a country who wants to know everything, maybe even stuff that's not good for us, he knew that this would get out. And quite honestly, I would have loved it if they would have just shut it and never done anything about it. So what happened was is these tapes and videos... ABC News had to turn those into the government. So our highest government rankings, the, our highest ranking government viewed these tapes. And I don't think they showed every little piece, but they showed almost all of it on national TV. Odds are you guys saw it. And so what happened was, is after the killing, he got his wish. And as insensitive as this might sound, please understand me. He didn't just kill those people just to take their life. He killed those people to get a platform. And he got it. And for whatever reason, our government and our news stations granted him his platform, which I wish they wouldn't have done. I'll be honest, I was curious. I wanted to see what kind of guy this was. I wanted to know what happened. You wanted the scariest thing? He was a recluse. He was bullied. There was... Uh, Signs of abuse maybe in his life, sexual, physical, I don't know. This dude had a rough life. And you know what's sad? is probably every single one of us in this room knows somebody just like this guy. If you think about it. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that because we don't know when things like this can happen. And I thank God. I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't a Christian. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have God in my life. And I thank God that because I have him, I don't have to worry about these things. But I want to read you part of what he said. He went on in this huge, long thing on TV where he was talking. And I was listening to it, and it just made me, I just didn't even want to watch it. I was actually kind of ashamed that I was watching it, but I just, this is happening, so I'm going to watch it. And so I can't even read you some of the stuff he said because it's so bad, but this caught my, and I'm telling you, when he said this, my stomach dropped. 
He says, do you know what it feels like to be humiliated and impaled upon the cross? Thanks to you, I die like Jesus Christ. And this is the worst part. To inspire generations of the weak and defenseless people. Do you realize what that was? He was basically saying, if you are like me, rise up and do likewise. To show people that this isn't okay. That petrified me. And I wish I could have done with anything in my power to keep that off the air. Because there are kids all over America just like this guy. And he's saying, look, you can do something even though it's horrible and awful. You'll get on TV. You can make a statement. This dude was messed up. Probably very demonically influenced. But he was able to do something. Took his own life. Took other people's lives. Those are valuable, valuable things for what he wanted to accomplish. He wanted to get a message out that what he'd been through wasn't okay. And so what I want to say to you guys is, 